Happy Monday, you guys. It is August 8th. It's a beautiful day. I mean, it's quite warm. Yes, very much so. But nonetheless, it's a beautiful day. Today, we are touching on releasing. You know, if you listened to the last episode, okay, then you already know. What does it look like for you, right? There are so many different ways to release. Then also, release the way you release one thing is not going to be the same way you release another. The process is different, right? Our emotions are more entwined with certain situations than others. And you typically will not know until you are there right we can sit here and say something isn't going to affect us until it gets to a point where we see how truly intertwined we were with it right for example um let's take some friendships some relationships right one breakup you got over within a week or it didn't really bother you, right? Okay. The next relationship, it hit so hard, right? And you're not understanding why, okay? Which also will require you to do some reflection, do some deep diving, right? So the way you got over that first relationship, you might have went out, partied, turned up, you know, watch the movie. But this other one, you notice that it's taking you longer to deal with, right? You may have feel, you may feel as if you processed it, right? But it's still, something's still not right. It's taking longer. Why, why can't I get over this? Why is it not in my head, right? And then you realize you haven't released, right? And we'll sit here and granted, you know, I was one of those people that I would be like, oh, I did that already. I did that already. But when really I more so swept under the rug and not actually did the work, right? Sweep yourself under a rug, yeah, you know, technically is working because you're sweeping. But to actually pick it up, take it out, all those things, right? It's even more work. So what does releasing look like for you? What is it, right? For some people, it's doing a a good old cry, right? Other people, it's just going into a, a moment of isolation, you know, finding some solitude, some peace, tranquility. Others, it's sitting by the fire, looking into the flame, maybe doing a trip. You know, so it's a list of ways to do it. But again, every situation is different. So when you are going through your periods of releasing, you are also having to do things in new ways. Right. Like, for example, as a kid, I was extremely sensitive. I was really sensitive. You know, my feelings, what do my feelings get hurt? My feelings would, I want to say, my feelings probably would get hurt easily. 
but I was, I would cry. I would cry. I was really, and let me not say emotional in a bad way. Cause being emotional, being in touch with your emotions is not a bad thing. Okay. But it got to a point to where I was basically told that it was a bad thing, you know, and that this is where, you know, a lot of people will sit here and say, oh, you're very masculine. You're, you're too touchy with your, well, yeah, I'm touching my, I'm super in touch with my masculine because as a growing up in middle school and stuff, I was told that it was weakness to cry as a, even as a girl that it was weak and I need to not cry and do so, you know, that's a whole nother subject, right? But anyways, back to my story. You know, I was really in touch and I would cry a lot. I would always, you know, release it. And then I was always being told, oh, you'll get over it, you know, which is true. You will. But how do you get over it, right? And so this past week, I had to tap into my emotions, right? And some, some of you guys may understand where I'm coming from and some of you guys may not because you have people who are very vocal about their emotions. Like my mom, my mom is very vocal about her emotions, right? My mom will cry and, and really express that. And me, on the other hand, I kind of look at it like, oh, okay, like, why are you crying? You know, I'm going to need you not to do that. At least on the phone with me. Like, I can't, I can't do anything. Like, I literally will have a look of confusion on my face when people will cry, you know. And it's not because I don't understand what they're feeling, but I couldn't understand why are you crying, you know. So this past week, um, I had to get into that, right, because something, something really bothered me to the point to where I was sad and I've always told people crying hurts like physically it hurts to where I just wouldn't do it right my throat will like tighten up like my like in tears just wouldn't come out right so I was like I can't cry like it really hurts like I'm not even gonna try to cry like I would try to like I would try like to really release and let those tears out. And then it just gets points where I start laughing at myself. Like, what are you doing? Like, what, like, what are you doing? You don't even have to cry, you know? So this week I had to sit here cause I was extremely sad and I mentally had to go to a space and the waterworks came, right? I think I cried like twice in a day, right? twice that day and it also showed me that I wasn't even allowing myself to be vulnerable with myself right because the second time I cried I had to turn the lights off (laughs) to cry as if anyone was in the room with me I was literally sitting in my altar room and yeah there's a window there and I turned the light off because even then I was like, well, what if someone's watching? Like, what if someone, like, person across the way is watching me cry? Like, no, I can't. So it's like, number one, 
I couldn't even cry by myself the first time. I literally had to mentally close. I had to close my eyes and mentally go somewhere in order for me to cry. And then I didn't even want to cry out loud. It's just me in the house. Why, why am I worried about crying out loud? You know, so the second time I cried, I had to turn the lights off and, you know, all these things. And it showed me that number one, there is, of course, more healing that I had to do because when did I stop crying? All right. And I stopped crying in middle school. Why did I stop crying? Okay, because it was never an issue when I lived in Texas with, you know, my great grandmother, my mom, like it was never a problem. But when I moved to California, it became a problem, you know, and that is when this. I don't want to say hard exterior came up, but this is when I started to really wear my heart on my sleeves kind of you know like I'm not I'm not about to cry but you know I had also rage inside as well you know so also not being vulnerable not expressing myself because again like I'll have you know my cousin will tell everybody and she also has her mom Autumn does not cry Autumn does not like affection. Autumn does not like this. Does not like that. Right? And thinking about that, that's really sad. Right? Because it's even to the point to where your own family is telling the world that these are the no-goes. Right? And these are things that are a part of the experience, right? These are the things that are a part of life. And I'm already robbing myself of that because of someone else's opinion of those things, right? And those are toxic opinions, you know, that it's, that it's you know, weak to cry. You know, it's weak to feel emotions. It's weak. You know, it's a weakness. And it's really, and it's really not, right? So, releasing was different for me. Because my release was, it is what it is. Okay. You know, now granted, I still feel that way about a lot of things. Because sometimes it is what it is. You know. But, that does not mean you do not get to feel those emotions and let it flow and let it pass. You know, you feeling those emotions is not taking away from what it is. You know, for example, like some things that, some things that you, like, okay, like making the basketball team, you know, not making a basketball team. Yeah. It is what it is, but I'm still sad because I didn't, and that is okay, right? We have to be okay with all the forms, well, majority of the forms of releasing, right? Now, when it comes to releasing, we also will touch on coping, right? So what is coping? Coping, 
Um, it says deal effectively with something difficult. Now there of course are positive coping mechanisms. There's also a negative, right? Well, coping, me coping mechanisms are the strategies people often use in the face of stress and or trauma to help manage painful or difficult emotions. Coping mechanisms can help people adjust to stressful events while helping them maintain their emotional well-being. Okay. Now, we all know there's good and there's, you know, the toxic, you know, coping mechanisms. Right. So, let's see. There are, quote-unquote, emotion-focused coping which is meditating. Giving yourself a pep talk, taking a bath, exercise. Problem-focused coping mechanisms is working on time management, ask for support, establish healthy boundaries, create a to-do list. You also start to see poor habits, right? For example, I was one of those people, did not like to ask for help because, again, that was a thing of weakness, you know, and it, it's not, and it's, it's not a bad thing to ask for help, right? So again, we have all these traits. We have all of these bad habits because of what society has told us, Ooh. because of what, you know, we have just been programmed. Ooh. My apologies, you guys. I had to get my charger. Um, and so these are some things that we need to release, right? Because we all sit here and everyone's so focused on the masculine versus feminine, right? And to the point where it's very toxic, you know, let's just be real about it, right? So I have, of course, you guys always know I have some book references, so this book that I'm going to be reading a few things out of, it is called the, uh, it's called Spirit Hacking. Okay. Spirit Hacking. It's really good. You know, you guys should check it out. So let's touch on number one, some of the feminine factor. Of course, there's going to be, um, other parts, but this is, this is very interesting. So Everything in our world is composed of energetic polarities. The interplay between equal and opposite energetic forces is what holds this reality construct together. Masculine and feminine are equal and opposite energetic forces that must be properly balanced if we are to live in harmony here on the planet Earth. Our world is out of balance because for quite some time we have been overemphasizing the masculine while disregarding the importance of the feminine. This is why humanity's emotional intelligence level are so stunned because we haven't valued the feminine to the same exact extent we have the masculine. All right. To do this, we must restore balance and alignment to earth, which means we must lift the feminine. Of course, this means empowering women to step into their greatness and to be giant and to lead the planet back into alignment. At the same time, we must also elevate feminine qualities in all people regardless of biological or even psychological gender, while incorporating feminine energies into our society and our world. This can only happen when we acknowledge that men and women are different and that masculine and feminine energies consist of very different qualities 
and that both are valuable and necessary for survival of species. Now, when people think of feminine, they typically think of the way you dress, the way you talk, and the way you walk, right? So let's let's go into the next part. Masculine and feminine energetics 101. And I'm really upset that I got oil on my damn page. But anyways, the feminine is by nature intuitive and emotional. The feminine is about feeling and flowing and merging and connecting and relating. Masculine energy, on the other hand, is about structure and placement and tasks. It's about patterns and regimen and routine. Masculine is about doing and fixing and achieving and accomplishing stuff. The feminine, which is by nature unstructured, is meant to be harmonized by the directed orientation of the masculine. Notice I said harmonized by, not dominated by. The masculine has long dominated the feminine by incorrectly equating emotion with weakness and intuition with nonsense. In devaluing the qualities both men and women have suffered, as has society and earth itself. When the masculine and feminine are in sync, they complement each other in a beautiful symbiosis. But when the ordered, problem-solving nature of the masculine is not balanced by the expanded emotional perspective of the feminine, both become disordered. While women tend to embody mostly feminine energy and men tend to embody more masculine energy, we all carry masculine and feminine masculine and feminine energetics inside us. Therefore, when I say masculine and feminine, I am ref- I'm referencing not just men and women, but I'm also speaking on the natural polarity distinctions that determine how we perceive and engage reality. When men and women are relating to one another for masculine and feminine energies that are balanced, they bring out each other's strengths and amplify them. The same goes for the world. When we as a collective bring the masculine and feminine energetics forming our politics and our culture and our education, our environment, our economics and our everything into balance, that's when we find ourselves thriving. And it says on Pop Rocks, um, Planet and giant age for all now there's also you guys probably like pop rocks you guys gotta read the book because he also has like a glossary of what he means by certain things but you see how they say like when men will say emotions are weakness and that is this is why all these episodes i'm telling you guys they go they they just flow so you guys are at this moment you guys are really seeing me balance out my masculine and feminine, all right? Based off what I just read, you guys are seeing me balance it out because it's structured, but it's also flowing at the same time, right? Because let's take it in a a reading standpoint, like a tarot reading standpoint or a channeling session, right? There's a lot of things that would be contradicting. And I, and I would have this conversation with my clients. I'm like, I know this sounds contradicting, but hear me out. Right. And so what I just read structured, but going with the flow, what is, you know, like think of, think of what is it? A water mill. It's structured. Right. But it's still going with the flow because the water is just flowing. And you just notice how it powers up the city. It does all that. Right. So how does this all 
turn into releasing, right? Because now you are having to really sit here and analyze and reevaluate a lot of things in yourself. On this podcast, I am not about blaming another person. I'm all about taking accountability, but I will get the other party to acknowledge their behalf, right? So with that being said, back to the coping, there's different ways to releasing, right? My releasal now, I have to sit here and literally tell myself it is okay to feel these emotions. It is okay to cry. Because who who am I hurting by holding on? No one but myself. Because the thing is, is that when you hold emotions, it affects you in so many different ways. For my spiritual folk, your chakras become unbalanced. Your chakras will also tell you when there is imbalance in the body because it will start affecting your digestive system. Um, It'll start affecting your libido. It'll start affecting your heart, like everything. Seriously, you guys can look that up. Look up physical um, signs that your chakras are blocked or out of balance. Seriously, look that up. You guys think I'm playing? Look it up. All right. Now, for the people who are not spiritual, holding on to things puts a lot of stress internally on your body. All right. Me holding on to so much has resulted in situational anxiety disorder. It has resulted to heart palpitations. It has resulted to me to hair falling out, like just migraines and a whole bunch of things. Right, And you can sit here and and choose to believe that you not releasing something is not affecting your life, but it does. It really affects your life because you can't see every single thing. Just as much as you like to think you can see everything, you cannot, right? Because you don't see what's going on in your body. You don't see how your organs are being affected, right? You don't see that. Now, of course, you can go get tests done, you know, but to really see how bad something is, you don't, all right? Because I was so stressed out at one point, holding on to things, not letting things flow, not letting things go, to the point to where in my blood test, they talked about my stress levels. And I had someone point that out to me because I said that. It was like, it was like, do you know how stressed you have to be in order for your blood levels, your blood test to show that you are extremely stressed? That means you are to the point to where it is going to affect your organs. When it begins to show up in blood tests, it is starting to affect your organs. 
And that is what the doctor did tell me. She was, she was like, if you don't get your stress in order, you are going to really cause damage to your organs. And the organs are, are, I don't think I need to tell y'all, right? Your kidneys, your liver, your heart, because it was really affecting my heart. And it was coming up in readings as well. Like you need to get your stress under control, like, or you're going to have a heart attack. I've had like two people tell me that I am 28. They were like, if you don't get your stress under control, you are going to have a heart attack. What? And it and it's not just like the stress of the world. No, it's really because I'm holding on so dearly to wanting to control. And when people always say, oh, you're in your masculine, you're in your masculine, right? They always more so said it because the way I dressed, right? They more so said it the way I dressed and just being really protective of myself and not wanting to be around people, right? But the fact that I wanted to control everything and, and this is the thing. So, and I had this conversation with one of my best friends, you know, about the masculine and feminine. And he pointed out, he's like, he's like, of course there's, um, I don't remember exactly the word he said. I think he said like the unhealed masculine and things like that. Um, but he's like the unhealed version or, you know, the toxic side of masculinity is trying to control and dominate, right? When it clearly just showed the masculine is all about structure and things like that. So I was trying to control things, but I had no structure, right? I had no discipline and things, but I just wanted things to go my way, right? When people think of feminine, they always like to think of being submissive, right? So let's, let's, y'all know I'm all about, let's look up definition, right? So let's look up the actual definition for submissive. Right, meekly obedient or passive, ready to conform to the authority and will of others. Right, let's see. Versus, let's see, Mm, going, let's see. All right, now what's the difference between going with the flow? I honestly look at like I think as going with the flow. It is the whole thing of letting things be like, Ooh, perfect example. Like, like hippies, (laughs) hippies go with the flow. They are not about to, they just like, like go watch some of these. I want to say, is it dazed and confused? Go watch like these movies with like the surfer boys, right? Go watch movies like from the seventies that take place in California. Right, and how they are going with the flow. Right, that does not mean they're just bowing down, right? Because, again, I'm never gonna just have that. I'm never gonna have that conversation, right? But let's go on to the next thing, right? When it comes to feminine and masculine, so the feminine unifies. We have, says the masculine divides, the masculine hoards, the feminine gives, 
And then it talks about separation of the slippery slope. The masculine is linear. The feminine is quantum. All right. Let's see what else do we have. There's emotional mismanagement. This book is really good. You guys should just go go check it out. All right. But a lot of us, and then, you know, when we sit down here and look at TikTok, they will always talk about, oh, the feminine this and the masculine that. But it's always in like, some, like, toxic ass way. You know? It's always like, what are you talking about? Right? Now, I will, and I was one of those people I didn't like, I don't like. Oh, the masculine, oh, the feminine. I don't, I'm not, I'm one of those people I really don't like to talk about it. But when you begin to get a better understanding of it, it does make a lot more sense. And also you do a lot of acknowledgement in yourself, right? So let's go on to the next thing of releasing. So you'll find in a lot of books or a lot of YouTube, a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio stations, when people talk about releasing, right, they will, I don't even, I think they all say the same thing, right? Some people will try to tell you to meditate. You know, there's rituals you can do, you know, or regimens and whatever you want to call it, you know, constant things you do for yourself. And... It's all about what works for you. Yoga is really great, but at this point in my life, it's not giving me what it was giving, right? And and maybe it's just because I'm so focused right now on something that yoga really will force you to sit there and feel and think because you are really tuning into your body, tuning into connection with source and things like that. And if you are in a place to where you are not trying to sit still, and that's that's just because of the yoga I do. So the type of yoga that I do is yin yoga. So it's practically stillness, right? It's not a constant movement, you know. But then also doing it at home, is it is different than doing it at a studio, doing it outside with a group of people, right? Do what you need to do. Oh, this is what I was searching for. Coping versus, let's see. I love Google. You know, I love Google. <laughs> All right. The difference between coping with and healing from trauma, right? So let's, let's, let's do some reading, you guys. Number one, it says coping is different than healing. What makes coping different than healing? When you think of two words, what comes to mind? One way to understand the distinction is to consider trauma as a wound. When you cope with a wound, you only put a band-aid over it. You don't take the time to clean the wound and apply antibacterial ointment beforehand. And while using a band-aid is better than allowing the wound to bleed openly, actual healing 
can be impeded by ignoring fundamental things that need to be done. Now, this isn't to say that coping with trauma rather than healing is wrong. Coping is an important skill set to have to help you get through. It usually involves top-down processes like thinking good thoughts, being positive, and practicing mindfulness. Putting these skills into practice can and does help us recover from trauma, but they don't move you toward complete healing. Moving beyond coping to true healing. All right, and it, and it just goes on. So let me let me scan down. So it talks about you know how our nervous system you know is triggered and things like that, which also it is touched on in spirit hacking. A lot of books that I give y'all, y'all should really, y'all should really check them out. Okay. But as you can see, coping is to put a bandage. So we we know people that they will cope. My mother, you know, is one of those people that I seen that and she and she will openly put that out there that she copes, right? But again, it's it's putting a band-aid over the wound like they said, right? It's not actually releasing. Okay. And I can and I can say that too because we all can sit here and again, we can all sit here and point people, point people out. But also what I notice in my process of releasing this week is that a lot of things that and I and I had this reflection. First of all, I had this reflection a while ago, but it really hit hard this week, especially when I saw um, a mutual on TikTok talk about how her relationship with her mother, she, you know, she always said like she hated her mother just in a third. But then it got to the point to where she saw that the things that she did not like about her mother, she actually, you know, had those same characteristics, right? And so that's why you'll hear two peas in a pod. Like when I look at my mom and my brother, my older brother, and like their arguments and things like that, I always point out, I was like, the funny thing is they are just alike. They are literally just alike. And they argue so, you know, they will always have these headbutts, but they are just alike. Right. And so there's things that I noticed about my mother that I did not like that I in fact were doing right or things that my mom will point out about me that she does right and so one of the things that I see is yes while we may cope differently the way we cope both are harmful right it's very harmful. So when it comes to releasing, you know, you do start to unravel a bit if you allow yourself to, whenever you're ready. You know, I'm all about whenever you're ready, not forcing anything to happen, right? Because you can't, you can't force healing, right? You can't force someone to let go of something, you know, like for my spiritual people, when it comes to cord cuttings, we will do cord cuttings just 
out of pure raw emotion, right? Because we want to hurry up and get over someone. And that core cutting is a Band-Aid, okay? Insert air quotes. <laughs> it's a Band-Aid, right? And the reason I say that is because I, I have done cord cuttings. I want to say I did three. Overall, I did cord cuttings on three people, okay? Two of those people I have done cord cuttings on, it's because I truly were over them. I truly was like, I'm done, you know, I'm over it. I, this ain't, this ain't it. Now I've done a cord cutting on one particular person, I think maybe three times or more. And I was never emotionally ready to do those things, right? I was like the core kind of about to do the core kind of about to hurry up and get over this person. Like I'm done, you know, and I'm saying it, you know, out of emotion. Oh, I'm done with this person. Like it is what it is. Da, 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 da. I'm going to do core cutting. I'm going to do core cutting, right? And <laughs> time has proven that no, boom, no. Because another thing too is when you do cord cuttings, you have to do a list of things afterwards. For example, you really do need to cut communication with that person for a period of time. You need to not go back to them, right? So if you're doing a cord cutting on Johnny because you upset and you feel in some type of way, but Johnny takes you a week later, say, hey, come over, let's go do this, let's go do that, and you go do that, it's not the time, right? And this is this is a conversation that I had with um, Absalom at Midtown Mojo is when it came to cord cutting, um, he was just kind of like, you know, when you do it, you need to cut communication for three months because your heart is still going to be involved. Your heart is still going to be um, attached. Your emotions are still attached. Spiritually, you may want to disconnect, but emotionally and mentally, you are still attached. So you have to do three months of no communication, three months of actual work outside of the cord cutting. And that's what a lot of people are not realizing because... Yes, you do the core cutting, but you still are going to feel those emotions. You're still going to cry. You still got to release that person, right? You you may go through stages of, you know, the, what is it? The four stages of grief, the seven stages of grief, you know, the, the anger, the actual realization, all those things, right? Before you fully release. So a lot of people will use the cord cutting as just... I'm going to slap this on and that, that's it, right? When it's like, no, there's a whole process to releasing, right? And so when it comes to releasing, all in all, it is not something that is done overnight because it does take a process, right? It takes a process. So the the whole message of this is number one, allow yourself to go through the process of healing. There is no time frame. There's no deadline for how long it takes for you to heal. Like when someone passes, you know, you'll have people that don't understand. Other people who are still processing, maybe like three or five years later, like they're still, you know, 
And it's like, why are you, why are you not looking like they're gone already? You know, they'll try to do those type of things. And it's like, first off, that's not helping the person release anytime sooner. Just because you're telling them, oh, this is already all gone and over with. Like that, first off, that is not helpful at all. Because again, if that is the case, then help this person to release and move on. Another thing is too, when it comes to releasing, releasing does not mean forgetting. A lot of people will feel like in order for you to heal, you have to forget, right? Like, for example, when it came to, you know, my sexual assault, it it took me years. It took me Years that that when I, that when, what year did that happen? That happened in like probably two thousand and I think two thousand eleven. I think this yeah this happened this happened in like two thousand had to happen in like two thousand eleven maybe. Um, and it took me like it took me about like maybe eight years eight, nine years to fully process that to where now it's about 10 years later, you know, and I can actually talk about it, but if you would have had wanted to talk to me about it, like two years ago, three years ago, I, mm -mm, I don't want to do it. You know, I couldn't. I remember I went to therapy one time because I was really stressed out um, to where Amazon, because I used to work for Amazon, Amazon paid for me to go to therapy. They paid for like three, four sessions of therapy for me. And I could not talk about it without crying or without tears coming up and to the point where I was just like, I don't want to talk about it, you know, because it, as even though I thought I was over, even though I thought I've like healed from it, I did not because I never fully acknowledged and processed it, you know, because I would, it was a point in time where I put that whole blame on me. It's like, I had my way of coping with it, which was very toxic. And you will hear this a lot when it comes to, um, sexual assault victims is you'll have the one that is extremely sexual they become extremely sexual active and then you have the ones who don't want to be touched they don't want like they are fearful of it like a whole bunch of things right now again that is a whole proof of everyone's process is different everyone copes differently right it's either way right or wrong you we don't we don't get to you know, say that now there are toxic ways. Can both of them be toxic? Yeah, sure enough. They both can be toxic, right? There's it's again, it looks different for everyone, right? But we also don't get to tell someone how long the process is to take, especially if this person does not know how to release that, right? And so when people would ask me, you know, how I dealt with it, how I, you know, released from it, how I healed from it, you know, and sitting here, can I truly say I'm 100% healed from it? Maybe not, you know, but again, that's something that's on a day by day because 
it has taken me years to actually face it. And again, it's taken me years to face it because I was doing it by myself, right? So that's the point. If you are not assisting a person with it, you cannot tell them how long to take, right? And a lot of people think they are very helpful when it comes to healing and coping and releasing, but it's not, you know, because a lot of people will use the thing of, oh, just get over it, right? Oh, now healing also emotionally can be hard because for me, I had to revisit that day. Like literally, I it still plays in my, like for years, it played in my head like a movie and I would hear everything, like everything, like it will play in my head like a movie. Right. Even to the point to where when I was, you know, in a process of having sex, it will replay in my head to the point to where I'm just like, I'm over this, you know. So it's it's different for everyone. Okay, so I did have someone who thought they're being very helpful and trying to be like, oh, that was years ago. Oh, I'm not that person. I'm not. That's not. Thank you for that. But that's not helpful. Right. And what I had to learn is for me to face that and heal from that, I did revisit it. Right. I also had to dive into how I felt towards it, dive into how I felt towards those people. I had, it was a lot of things that I had to do that some people, that process is not for them, you know? Because also I went through periods of, you know, feeling disgusted with myself. You know, I went through periods of low key being depressed and low key wanting to harm myself. Like I went through those periods, you know, and I had this conversation with um, a friend when I was telling him the things that happened and he was just kind of like, he knows people that have been through that, that it was just too much for them, you know? And I'm sitting here, just like, it isn't, trust me, I get it because it's not easy. You know, trust me, I 100% understand, you know? But it was certain things that kept me going and and wanting to heal myself because I do know other people go those things. So I kind of, the way I view my situation is what more so, mm, I guess is what kept me online with my healing for it. Right. But I, I can't tell someone how to heal from it. I can give suggestions of exercises and, and, and things like that, but ultimately I cannot tell you how to, you know, just like when people want to talk about their spiritual journey. Spiritual journey, you know, it's it's a lot of things. You know, spiritual journey, yes, there's very beautiful sides. And yes, there are, you know, the not so great sides. Which also, wants, which also makes me want to talk about shadow work. You know, because shadow work is also something that is a part of releasing. 
you know. So shadow is the part of your being that is light and that holds all the things you haven't taken responsibility for with unconditional love and acceptance. All right. So that is basically shadow. So when you're doing the work, you are taking responsibility for, it. you know. And that's a whole nother discussion that we can have because that topic, again, is going to go a little bit lower because, again, when it comes to taking responsibility, we also look at it as, oh, well, I'm not taking the blame, right? So let's see. Let's see. Let's see. What can I find? Versus. Okay. So the act of taking responsibility allows us to courageously take accountability for the things we we for the things we feel we've done wrong while self-blame perpetuates our fear. When we're self-blaming, we often fear that we're not good enough, that we're shameful and immoral, and that we don't deserve to be forgiven. Those are it's talking about the difference between taking responsibility and self-blaming. Um Let's see. When we take responsibility, we can feel confident in ourselves and the fact that we're doing the right thing for ourselves. We're also doing right by the people we've hurt. We're committed to our recovery and the healing of the wounds of our past. We know that our mistakes don't define us. They are not the whole of who we are. Our mistakes and our wrongdoings and the shame we feel around them don't have to continue to overpower us. Self-blame, on the other hand, thrives on our lingering, festering fears. We feel as though we're drowning in fear, shame, and self-condemnation. We feel inadequate and unworthy. We feel unloved. We feel undeserving of forgiveness and incapable of redemption. Right. So then touches on moving forward and staying stuck in the past. Um... And things like that. So it says about taking responsibility. We're not shying away from our self-assessment and self-exploration work. We need to do to move forward. We're just not holding ourselves hostage in the pain of the past. Self-blame does the opposite. It forces us to relive our pain over and over again. It causes us to, to dwell on our triggering memories and replay them constantly. Contributing, uh, contributing greatly to our sadness, anxiety, and shame. We don't feel capable of moving on from our past, of processing our pain, moving through it, and releasing it. We do not forgive ourselves when we do not see the possibilities of change. We assume we're always functioning in the same detrimental ways, making the same mistakes, committing the same wrongdoings, so on and so forth. Right? So those are the differences between taking responsibility and taking blame. Right? And so... For me, I took the blame. I was blaming myself for a lot of things in my life, right? And this is the thing. So when I point out things, and I had to point this out to someone, I'm sitting there, you know, taking responsibility for my part, but they will always feel as if I was blaming them. And I'm like, I'm not blaming you. Like, why do you, first off, I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about, you know, I understand that I've been busy this and the third, you know. And that's, that. again, you have the thing where people don't want to take responsibility for a lot of things, right? And that's another thing that 
will hinder the release process right because i have a lot of i i will 100 admit that i personally do have a lot of habits that are not beneficial for my highest good that are also very toxic and they hold me back and things like that right Now, it's easy for me to blame other people for those habits, but again, I have to take responsibility because I continue to live out those habits, right? For example, the, my reactions to certain people, right? Yeah, I may, I might have a perfectly good reasoning behind it, but that does not make it okay. So I have to take responsibility in, in seeing why I do those things, right? And releasing it. Now, me taking responsibility for a lot of things has also shown me needing to set healthy boundaries, needing to set boundaries, right? Because I can't, and like I said, I think I said it in the previous, I think it was last episode or episode before that, that um, I will always get mad at my friend for things that she would do. And I turned around and said, well, I can't be mad at her because I never said anything and I never set boundaries. So I can't blame her for making me mad and making me, you know, or pushing me to a certain point when I never set those boundaries. So I can't blame her, you know, because I never said nothing. Now, if I said something at this point, I got to take accountability for constantly allowing you to do those certain things. Right. And it just continues on and on. Right. Now I don't want to keep y'all too long. Right. We have already been on here for like 53 minutes. (laughs) So this is the end of today's episode. You know, again, I always, always, you know, have the intent of my episodes opening you guys' eyes to not only self-awareness, but then also just being aware of the people surrounding you. And if those people are in line with where you are at this moment today, right? And then from there, making the positive changes. Again, not putting blame on people, you know, not, you know, becoming petty and bitter and things like like it's like okay thank you and that was another thing too before I end this there was someone that again the reason why I cried this week I had to sit here and I was just kind of like I'm grateful for this experience I'm grateful for these lessons I'm not going to blame you for the hurt and the pain that I feel but I will say I'm grateful for the lesson that came out of it. Even though it's not a great, you know, not a beautiful experience, nonetheless, what I have gained from it is, you know, I appreciate it. Thank you. And now I must release and move forward all my life, you know? So that, that's an example as well as what it looks like for me to release is that I will sit here and say grateful. I'm so grateful for everything. Thank you. Um, but now boundaries, no, cause I, I can't, I can't accept this anymore. I can't allow this anymore. Right. So now making the positive changes in my life, but anywho, 
So yeah, that is today's episode, you guys. All right. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. Please share it with your friends. Also, follow me at Divine Priestess. I am on TikTok. I am on Instagram. I am on YouTube, which YouTube videos are coming, you guys. It's honestly just me finding what I want to share on camera, what I want, you know, to be seen as and known as and things like that, right? So those are things. Um, Yeah, the books I was referencing today is going to be Spirit Hacking. Definitely check it out. It's It's very good. It's very insightful. And you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day, a wonderful week, you know. Go make those changes in your life. You know, again, there's no deadline to doing these things, you know, but ultimately I'm so grateful for the support that I have. So hasta luego and good day.